Bitcoiner puts their money into Bitcoin, it is a one-way street and it is painful to go the other direction. You know, on Twitter, you'll see a lot of people being like, oh, I bought too much. I got to sell some so I can pay some bills. And it's like a woe is me moment. It's not like, oh, I'm cashing out because I made money. No one wants to sell their Bitcoin. Ethereans sell. Everyone in crypto sells at some point. They cash out and they talk about their gains in dollar terms. Bitcoiners don't do that. And that's the fundamental difference. You're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. And I'm Ian. And, and we're, we're the, the Recepies. My husband Ian is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am not. Each week he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. We have a lot of fun with it. But I'm not trying to overwhelm you with technical analysis and price targets, babe. You promise? I promise. And I promise we won't overwhelm you with ads. That's because we operate on the value for value business model. What's that? Instead of reading off a bunch of ads, we're going to keep things a little more personal, intimate, if you will. If you enjoy the show, meaning it brings you some value, consider supporting us. That support can be sharing the pot on your socials, recommending us to a friend, and yes, even sending us some money. And since I'm the Bitcoiner, I prefer Bitcoin. And you can send us some on our favorite podcasting app, Fountain. If you want to learn more about the pod, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and our Bout page to learn the different ways you can support the show. And if you're new here or not, make sure you check out the Satoshi Savings Calculator on the site. It's a little app that I built that enables you to set a goal for how much Bitcoin you want to acquire while also reinforcing certain Bitcoin concepts like the having and Satoshis. And since I know Bitcoiners are all about their privacy, the app works completely in airplane mode and only saves data to your browser's local storage. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show. We may make the content, but without you, all I'm really doing here is flirting with my husband in front of a microphone. Y'all ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. Hallo. Netherlands has knocked France off the charts. Just by 1%, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Happy almost New Year, babe. How was your birthday? Uh, It was good. It was good. You were there. I was there. (laughs) You should know. Uh, It was good. Got to see some friends. Hadn't seen in a while. At a restaurant we hadn't been to in a while. So that was kind of nostalgic. Yeah. I think the last birthday party I had was there. Yes. That you let me throw you. Yes. Also, your family visited us, and that was lovely. And someone specifically requested a shout out. Who? Your dad. He requested a specific shout out? He wanted his name said on the pod. Oh, right, right. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess. So I'll say a shout out to my father in law, Julian Reese. Your number one realtor in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> yes, I said I'd do an ad. Looking for a realtor in Raleigh, North Carolina, Julian Reese is the man for the job. It's true. It's true. <laughs> He's been a realtor in Raleigh for 20 years, longer than that. So there you go. We don't do ads, but that was kind of the first ever ad on on our pod. So Yeah, Dad, I expect that uh, sponsorship money to flow. <laughs> that ad didn't come cheap. It did not. <laughs> So, babe, what time is it? The current time is 769-460, and we are approximately 1,497 blocks since our last recording. And if I give you one U.S. dollar, 
How many acres can I get on sunny Bitcoin Island? Today, 6,028. All right, so it's going back up. It's chopping sideways. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, just staying. Yeah, it's not going up. It's not going down. We've been at 16 for the past like two months, kind of. So you were suggesting or hinting that Binance might collapse soon. And I asked because like that'll likely impact the price of Bitcoin. It might crash even more. If we call it a crash. Structurally, these exchanges are in the same boat. They probably don't have all the Bitcoin that all of their users think Mm -hmm. that they have. So that problem exists for pretty much any exchange. Um, maybe, Maybe there's a few that don't sell paper Bitcoin, but for the most part, they're all selling paper Bitcoin. So Binance could get into a situation where everyone wants to pull their Bitcoin out at the same time. And they probably won't have it. All right. So if that does happen, wouldn't that increase the demand for Bitcoin and then actually raise the price? I mean, yeah. We talked about this a couple episodes ago where, you know, we buy our Bitcoin through Strike. And when I was buying Bitcoin through Strike, the price that was being listed is not the price that I was actually getting at. Right. There was like a 5% difference. And that was because who Strike gets it from, they were marking it up because there was no Bitcoin around for them to sell to Strike to sell to me. So, yeah. If everyone pulled their Bitcoin out of Binance right now, there would be a premium for Bitcoin. Hmm. Interesting. Which is why we always say, take your Bitcoin off the exchange. Because there may come a day where you want to take your Bitcoin off, Binance don't have it, and you might not get it out. I'm pretty curious if any of our listeners are still keeping their Bitcoin on an exchange after you know, actively listening to our show, what's keeping them from making that move. I'd be curious to know also. Okay, so last week we launched the first ever Flirting with Bitcoin challenge. It was our holiday challenge. We said instead of having someone buy you a gift, ask them to buy you Bitcoin or you can buy yourself Bitcoin and and one lucky winner will be matched up to 40 US dollars uh, in Bitcoin from us. And so I'm going to turn it over to the birthday boy to announce the winner of our holiday challenge. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but the winner of the challenge is Nublesi. Nubless. I'm sorry. I know I'm butchering it. I'm I'm guessing because there's two O's. It's noob. And I'm guessing the rest is Lessy. They won. They were on Twitter. Thing. I've already sent them the money. Congratulations. Uh, We've already had a lovely chat back and forth. Sent it to him over lightning. So it was instant. And that was, I think, if I recall our conversation correctly, their first lightning transaction. Oh, that's awesome. I think they're in France and there was like maybe a little language barrier, but we got it done. And um, yeah, so congratulations. Uh, Tell all your friends, you know, floating with Bitcoin, you get paid. (laughs) The, The funny part about this challenge was that, you know, we got a lot of comments of people saying like, oh, this is a great idea, but... I was the only person that actually did it on Twitter. Yeah. Or at least with the hashtag and followed all the instructions. Mm-hmm. So if you did it and you didn't follow the instructions, shout out to me. You're not going to win anything, but I'd be curious to know how many people actually did it because Noblesse was the only one that I saw in the hashtag. Yeah, thing. like, or if you had that conversation with people in your life after receiving gifts, I think that would be really interesting. But I think generally... The response we got is that this would just be a nicer alternative to gifts going forward. And of course, it promotes Bitcoin adoption. Uh, my sister was supposed to do it for Ian. Uh, she always wants to get him a gift. And I tell her not to because he doesn't want anything. And she said, okay, okay, I'll buy Bitcoin. 
And then she didn't. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get it next week. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I don't know, we're still seeing like there's a lot of hesitation that people have to make that first move to buy Bitcoin. And even when it's someone saying, oh, you're dying to get him a present. Just buy yourself some Bitcoin. It still doesn't happen. If they're not set up to actually buy it and send it, then it is a little daunting, I would imagine. Now Um, it's a click of a button for me. For you. Got your dad set up. You did. Got my dad set up. We're slowly getting there. Um, It just took a year of a podcast. Hey, in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty short amount of time. It is. You know, me, I'm kind of a, you know, act first, figure it out later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it took a year of convincing, that's not a... There's, hey, Bitcoin's 14 years old. It only took 14 years. It's going to take other people 28 years to figure it out. Okay, so this past week was a milestone for Ian's life. He turned 40 years old. But this week is kind of a milestone for the podcast. We're closing out the year, the season, with 46 episodes. This is our 46th episode. Yep. Did you think when we started this podcast we'd get this far? Yes. You did? I didn't. <laughs> As a person who used to do stand-up comedy, it the first year is easy. The first year is easy? First year is easy. Then it gets hard? Yeah. You're running on adrenaline. This is your first time doing something like this. Mm-hmm. So you're getting... A whole new feeling, right? The dopamine drip is real for you. The limelight's getting to me. I don't know if there's limelight to get to you, but (laughs) the dopamine drip is real. Like, and when we first started, you were kind of excited and then you kind of trailed off in the middle and then you've kind of picked it up towards the end again where you're the one. I had other things going on. I'm just saying what I observed. I had a wedding to throw. I had to marry this man. I'm just saying what I observed. (laughs) And what I observed was you are the one that is like, are we doing it? Yes. And so because that never stopped, sure. Making it a year is easy. How many years do you think this podcast will last? Well, Max and Stacy have been doing it for 12. So... They're the standard? They're the dream? They're not the standard, but they've been doing it for 12. I think we could do it for... Twelve. Six. Oh. I think we could do it for six. That's quite the commitment. Yeah. But it's uh how much how much work do we really put in here? You put more work in than I do. You do all the Bitcoin research. I just ask questions. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, like looking back to I, I can't even think about what I knew before we started recording. But I have learned a lot. And I'm so curious about whether our listeners are also learning alongside me, which was originally the idea of the pod, or if people already have an understanding on the topics we're talking about, and they're just hearing your take on it, or like trying to see how I'm digesting it. There's so many ways that you can absorb our podcast. Yeah, I think I think Fountain App has really been instrumental in that, because... From what I can tell, not everyone who's using Fountain App is a Bitcoiner. Um, maybe they discovered it as a way to get Bitcoin, right? And then we have kind of been on the front page of Fountain a couple times. So people discover us, they listen to us, and we've seen some comments that lead me to believe that maybe someone didn't know much before they listened to us. Um, this other day on Twitter, I forgot his name, but someone was like, these guys helped my wife. Aww. Like, because a guy posted, like, uh, you know, his wife gave him the ultimatum about not talking about Bitcoin <gasps> at 
Christmas gatherings or whatever. Damn. One of our listeners, I'm sorry I forgot your name, but um, he's one of our listeners for sure. And he responded like, hey, have her listen to the Married with Bitcoin series. It helped my life like kind of. Yeah kind of get on board and get on the journey. And so like, uh, there's still a lot of people to reach, you know, everyone's got their different version of teaching Bitcoin. And I think our version helps a certain segment of the people. We're doing our part. And I think a couple more interactions like that over a couple of years, and there will be a lot of people that are like, Hey, have your wife listen to this. Which was the original idea of the podcast. Yeah, or your parents or... Your parents or whatever. Whatever that is, yeah. Your significant others, don't overwhelm them with a crazy technical look at us saving marriages saving christmas i don't know if we saved marriages or christmas like a hallmark movie if we saved a marriage please let me know please (laughs) i will put that somewhere on the website saving marriages since 2022 this show is pretty much it is from the listeners right like we wouldn't do this if people weren't listening with fountain we've kind of gotten this new as we say at the beginning of the show we call it all these languages and say hello like we've gotten this pretty broad audience very cool just want to acknowledge some of those people every week that kind of keep the uh, the dopamine drip going so it's time to give a big shout out to our biggest booster from the previous week hunter sf 770 um Thanks for, uh, I think, boosting every single episode that we put out. We really appreciate you. Also, TNT Mom, she always uh, gives us a shout-out every episode. Zordon as well. Um, he asked if we have any thoughts for what we want to do for our episode 50. Ian, do you have any ideas? I haven't really gotten that far. We're kind of a week-to-week show here. You are. So. I have an idea, but maybe that's a secret. You guys will have to wait and see. Four more episodes. Um, then shout out to John Wick, Joss, SMRTAK, Cryptosenis, Satoshi Castle that uh, gave us greetings from Germany, Hypersensitive Soros, who used the Satoshi Savings Calculator to figure out how many more Satoshis um, they needed to reach their goal by the 2020 having. So if you're not using the Satoshi Savings Calculator, here's your friendly reminder to use it. And then Noblesse, our winner of the holiday challenge, who gave us greetings from France, and Lightning Dave, who gave us greetings from sunny Dubai. So it's super cool, like how international our listeners are. We appreciate all the boosts. I think that um, if you are not on Fountain, I think we say to every episode, get on there so that we can talk to you guys. It's really cool. And Ian responds to all the comments we get for every episode. So on Fountain, it seems like they made some changes where the minimum boost is now 100. Uh, we had been reading all the boosts that were over 100 before, but now that 100 is the minimum, we're going to change it to a cutoff of 500 for being shout out on the show because basically everyone that left a comment left 100 stats this time. <laughs> and we can't read out every name at the top of the show. So that's going to be a small change. It'll start next year in season two. Call it inflation if you want. But that's just a little change that we'll be making to the show. And as always on Fountain, leave comments and make clips because, you know, you guys are the ones that make this show more accessible to your friends and family. So moving on from like my experience with Bitcoin or, you know, our experience of having a podcast, what would you say are the big things that happen in the Bitcoin space in 2022? What were some of like the favorite topics we talked about or some of the more significant episodes that we did that you think are the big, you know, year in review noteworthy ones? 
I mean, it'll be the same every year, but this year it was mo- more important, which is not your keys, not your coins. There was a lot of new developments in the, you know, what they call self-custody of your Bitcoin. Things like Nunchuck became available, which are trying to solve the problem of how do we get grandma to hold her own Bitcoin. Um, things like Unchained Capital added some more functionality to their site for people to hold Bitcoin in their IRAs. Were these all the things that were announced at that Miami conference? No. Okay. Because I remember we talked about a lot of things that were announced there. Lightning was the big one. It I mean, li- Lightning like. was Lightning was technically last year. Okay. So like what has anything played out from the Miami conference? The biggest thing about the Miami conference was Michael Saylor. So Michael Saylor has kind of gone on a war path this year as being the, you know, wealthy businessman advocate for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Because up until that point, yeah, there were a couple of guys that had startups that were saying like, oh, buy Bitcoin. And there were a couple, you know, like Mark Cuban was talking about like, oh, yeah, I have crypto. I have this. I have that, you know. But Michael Saylor kind of stepped up and really pushed forward like, it's Bitcoin, not crypto, and that's all there is. And whereas, like someone like Jack Dorsey wasn't doing that. I mean, Jack Dorsey was again. I'm just I'm paraphrasing here, but Jack Dorsey was a little muzzled because he was at Twitter, uh, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack Dorsey, as much as he was a Bitcoin advocate, he really didn't start talking until he left Twitter. And so you could argue that Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter was like a big thing that happened this year, right? Because ever since he left, he's uh, gone all in on the Bitcoin community. He's working on allegedly their own kind of like hardware wallet that's going to be, you know, consumer friendly. Uh, we'll see if he can beat cold card. And Twitter is important to Bitcoin because that's the space that Bitcoiners use to talk to each other. There isn't really like another space where that's happening. Well, up until about two weeks ago, I right. would say yes. Yeah, right? Nostra. And we can talk a little bit about that, but... Um, it seems like Bitcoiners need to find each other and be able to talk to each other because like you just said, this husband and wife, like you can be a Bitcoiner and not know anyone in your actual life that's also into Bitcoin. It is a very small community, especially in the United States, especially in the West. Yeah. So I think there's more community of Bitcoiners in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know there's a big like Bitcoin community on the Isle of Man, which is like, okay. Um, but there's other places outside of the United States where you are probably not the only Bitcoiner, but when it comes to the United States, if you're not in Texas or to a lesser extent, Miami or Nashville, uh, the odds of you just bumping into another Bitcoiner and just striking up a conversation are almost zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and the odds of, I guess, if you're in a relationship and then discover Bitcoin, the odds of your significant other also being interested in it is like zero. Do you feel like you know another Bitcoiner in your real life? No. Really? No. Damn. So I'm all you got. <laughs> I'm counting. I'm including you in that no. Hey, right? we have a podcast together about Bitcoin. You actively name the podcast Flirting with Bitcoin. You're not a Bitcoiner. Yeah, fair enough. You're not. Like you have self-described as not a Bitcoiner. But I am on the new Bitcoin Twitter and Ian is not. 
Simply because of semantics. Yes, because they don't have the Android app yet. If I had an iPhone, (laughs) I would have been on Nostra. My phone is your phone. You have the passcode to it, so you could have actually used it yourself. But yeah, I'm on Nostra, and I'm going to give the background on it because I've lived it, and so I don't even need you to explain this. Like a week or two ago, Elon Musk put out new rules for Twitter where there couldn't be links that went out to different social media sites. And he listed what those sites were, and one of those were Nostra. And so from there, it brought all this attention to something that people did not know it existed. Essentially, it's like Twitter, but it's an open protocol. And so anyone can post on there. You don't just need a single app to do it. There needs to be some type of app that you use. You can make your own or use one or whatever. I was able to get on the beta test of the Damus app. D-A-M-U-S dot I-O. Yeah, and it's closed since then. But I got on there and, you know, I made a profile and um, I saw someone do it. And so I did it too. Like I did a lightning bill I put on there and someone like, you know, gave us hundred Satoshis uh, really quickly. So instantly you can see like only Bitcoiners are on there. And I've been on there now maybe for three days. And every time I go on there, the only thing people are talking about is Bitcoin. And it's got bots on there. It, it there I don't know. There's no way to avoid that yet. But um, there are bots. There are people who are attacking Bitcoin <laughs> and saying uh, there's a better one. Like, open your eyes, use your brain. Bitcoin is bad. But they're still just talking about crypto. There's literally no other topic being discussed on there. So... I'm now on Bitcoin Twitter. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's the way to describe it, but if that's how you want to tell your but friends. But I am. I'm on Bitcoin Twitter now. And Ian's not. So, ha. Yeah. I feel like I don't really have any Bitcoin friends in real life because I don't know anyone in my real life who's on Nostra. Well, see, this is what I'm talking about. I'm on Nostra. I just don't have an app on my phone. Like, that's the beauty of Nostra is that... It's not like, oh, I don't have the Twitter app on my phone. I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Nostra. Really? What's your handle? I'm just not in the beta of Damus.io, which is like a very pretty client for Nostra. So you're on there? Are you tweeting? Look, I did it on my desktop for like five seconds. Oh, okay. Once you create private public private keys you're in that's all it takes it's just like bitcoin you don't the only reason that i'm not using the same app as you because they are gatekeepers but it's an open protocol there's like a million other things yeah yeah fine whatever but if it's not on my phone i just i don't it's not part of my like my day-to-day the app doesn't even have notifications yet, so they're getting to it. But um, I'm on there, guys. If anyone else is on Nostra, find me. Um, I'm Mrs. Onision. I just use Ian's handle, and I put a Mrs. in front of it. So if you follow Ian on Twitter, just put MRS in front of it and find me on Nostra. All due respect, like I am proud of you for like at least giving this a shot yeah. and like participating in it. Put some because, respect on my name. <laughs> because like you know, there's there's a lot of OGs when it comes to tech, and you are very early in Nostra. Like you may as well be Tom on MySpace. Right. So going back to like this time last year, would you have believed that I would have had an account on Bitcoin Twitter? This isn't Bitcoin Twitter. Oh, I'm going to call it Bitcoin else. Twitter. Can, there's, I there's, know. But there's Twitter Twitter. Like, Bitcoin Twitter is on Twitter. I know, but... This is where everyone's going to run if the Bitcoiners all get kicked off of Twitter. This is where you tech people lose these non-tech people. Like, 
I need to make an easy comparison so that I really understand what what something is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm calling it Bitcoin Twitter, knowing it's not Bitcoin Twitter. But you're getting your panties in a bunch because I'm not saying Nostra. Like, you know I know what I'm saying. I know that you know what you're saying. However, there is a, a Bitcoin, Bitcoin Twitter. Twitter. You're not making up a new word or comparison. <laughs> like, Bitcoin Twitter is a real thing and a, air quotes tomato, here. Tomato, tomato. It's air quotes, a real place. Nostra, it is Twitter if it were built using Bitcoin philosophy. As Jay-Z said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. It's very similar. <laughs> it's very similar. All right, back to year in review. One of the big things that I think happened this year that I keep getting stuck on is the... crashes in the crypto world like luna ftx i thought ethereum would crash but it didn't ethereum has crashed this year everything is down this year it's down but like the end of ethereum ethereum hasn't ended people are still using it the entire financial world is down this year Mm -hmm. if you had money in any almost anything you are down this year so For me, when I was learning about Bitcoin this year, I thought it was really important that people separate Bitcoin from crypto. It is very important. Because if you're in crypto and you're not doing Bitcoin, it's it's just a missed opportunity in terms of like population adoption. And I think it's also delaying other people getting into it because they're seeing like, oh, this is so messy. It's a scam, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And so it distracts from Bitcoin. And so when things like Luna and FTX happen, I think, well, that's in the long term really good because more people are going to understand the purity of Bitcoin. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I I don't know. That's just that is how I look at it. And so with Ethereum, I was a little excited with all the Ethereum drama. Mm -hmm. I was pretty excited. I mean, I, I didn't hide it, but I'm a little surprised at how it played out. And that people still use it and they still buy it. Well, and they still see it as one of like the leading contenders of crypto. If you're talking purely about how much does it cost to buy one Ethereum, that number has, has gone down this year. Right? Everything is down, as I said. The reason why Ethereum isn't getting wiped out like FTX, right? Like FTX is done, right? It's bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> They're out of business. No one's getting their money back. Game over. Do SPF's not. SPF's in jail. He's out on bond, but you is know. he? Oh, I guess you don't follow the news, and I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so I'm you're not, not a really. On, I'm not really on Bitcoin Twitter, am I? No one's. No one's you just outed about yourself. That. Damn. So if I don't tell you about it, and you don't, that means you don't know about it. Maybe. How can you be a Bitcoiner? You are not obsolete yet. <laughs> anyway, people have built businesses on top of Ethereum. So, like. I'll take a simple example. Crypto kitties. You might have heard of this. I've heard of them, but you've never really talked to me about them. It's not really important what it is. All I'll say is that it was a precursor to NFTs mm-hmm. in like the uh, uniqueness gives it value concept, right? But Crypto Kitties is a business that was built on top of Ethereum. So Ethereum 
has built-in demand for people that need to still buy it as long as they want to interact with all these things that were built on top of it. NFTs are Ethereum. NFTs have been built on many different things. Ethereum is just one of them. Okay. Right? So you can put NFTs on Solana or Cardano or whatever. So like, it's co- complex enough that like one single event is not going to let, let it crash. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like there is enough demand. You can think of Ethereum if we want to get super conspiratorial here like you could think of ethereum as the united states dollar well what gives the united states dollar value there's demand for dollars so as long as people need to acquire dollars for whatever reason in the international trade the dollar still has some demand and the number one demand for dollars is to buy oil right so with ethereum it's not necessarily crypto kitties but it's an amalgamation of crypto kitties right so if you need to if you need to have ethereum to interact on crypto kitties that means that you have to go get Ethereum to interact with CryptoKitties, right? So that demand is still there. It's waning, right? But there's always new stuff popping up and it props up that demand. But there's a slowly down and to the right demand for Ethereum. Yes. It's a slow burn. Generally for all crypto. All crypto is a slow burn down and to the right. Which brings me to in the beginning of the year, I think I would feel really bad for people who were losing everything okay. in crypto. And more recently, like because of you and the reactions I see you have, um, I feel less bad for them. I feel like if today you hear about a, an altcoin and you put your whole life savings in it, I don't really feel bad for you if you lose everything. Great. Great example, right? You've been watching me watch the videos yeah. of uh, CoffeeZilla mm-hmm. and he's been exposing this... Uh, Logan Paul scam. Yeah. Go Google it. I'm not going to get into the The Zoo coins. Sure. Zoo coin. But as I was watching that, you asked me, you were like, do you feel bad for these people? And I was like, no. Yeah. Because this is not the first scam. (laughs) This is like the last scam. Yeah. Right. This is like the scam at the end of all the other scams that have already happened. But when we were having that conversation, you did say technically we could be those people. We're technically making that risk with Bitcoin. Yes, but there's a difference. And this is this is where it's Bitcoin, not crypto, and why I why I jokingly say like you're not a Bitcoiner is because a Bitcoiner would never question Bitcoin. It's not that they would never <laughs> question Bitcoin. It's that a Bitcoiner there's no real definition for a Bitcoiner, right? So I don't want to say like you must or it has to, right? There isn't. But the point here is that like when you cross a certain threshold in Bitcoin, when you have a certain level of understanding in Bitcoin, you can look at any of those things and realize where the scam is. I think I'm there. Okay. When it comes to crypto, people that see crypto and don't see the scam, it's because they're looking for a way to increase their fiat money. I put $50,000 into this and maybe I pull out $500,000. That's their plan for whatever crypto they're getting into. They're going to get in, they're going to get out, right? When you're a Bitcoiner, a one-way street because the thought is that one day this will be the global currency of the world no the thought is is that it is already the global currency of the world and not everyone realizes it mm. that's the difference gold held that position but we started layering paper on top of gold you'd be so proud of me babe the other night i was having dinner with some really old friends and we were all going around the table talking about our lives and i was like 
Really, like, the podcast is kind of the, the interesting thing that I have to talk about. A lot of people, maybe everyone at the table was like, I don't really know anything about Bitcoin. Or, yeah, I've listened to a couple of the episodes. I'm a little behind, you know, same old, same same old that people in our lives tell us. And I just got to quickly explaining what Bitcoin was because it was all women. And you know how I feel about that. I'm like, no, if you're a woman, you should understand this. Don't just brush it aside. Very quickly, the gold standard came up. And I was like, no, the dollar is not tethered to gold. It hasn't been for decades. And like one other person at the table knew that. Right. And I don't know exactly who you were out with, but I I have an idea that these are relatively intelligent women. Incredibly intelligent women. So the intelligent people in our society yeah. are unaware that gold is not in the game anymore. Yeah. Those are the same people, not necessarily your friends. But those same intelligent people are the ones that are in crypto. Yeah, but they're not using crypto as a future form of currency, right? Like, but this, this is what I'm saying. Like, they do don't see Ethereum heads. Is that what they call themselves? Ethereum heads. Meth, meth heads. Are you kidding me? That's what the Bitcoiners call them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that I'm sure they. I'm sure they call themselves Ethereans or something Ethers. like that. Do the ethers um, think that Ethereum is going to be the global currency one day? Um, I mean, they have some phrases that would lead you to believe that they think that. But to the I don't, moon. I, I, well, that's like a general. That's a general statement. Are um, you impressed? I remembered that one. I mean, it's one of the first ones you got to learn, right? I know, I know. Whatever. <laughs> um, but no, so they they have a term in Ethereum land called the flippening, right? And that's when they. <laughs> Say that with a straight face. Because it's a word that I've seen many, many times. Like someone's flipping you off. Kind of. <laughs> so basically, Bitcoin has always been worth more, aka has had a larger market cap than Ethereum. And Ethereans, they believe that one day the market cap of Ethereum will be larger than the market cap of Bitcoin. And when that happens, it will flip and it'll be worth more than Bitcoin. Because if you look at any chart, go all the way back to day one. Bitcoin has always been at the top of the market caps of all of these new digital assets. Right? So it's they always... just believe this. There's no theories or data behind this. So, the, I mean, the fundamental idea that, again, I, I'm not in this world, so I'm only going off of, like, context clues. But they believe that because Ethereum has smart contracts and because Ethereum has this, you know, gang of developers, mm-hmm. that they are going to out-innovate Bitcoin. And what has happened... <laughs> is not been out innovation. It has been continuously, painfully hurting the Ethereum community every two to three years because they make massive changes and it totally screws up everyone's plans, right? So the most recent one, the merge. What's the biggest thing that happened with the merge? You can't take your Ethereum out. Still? Still. Dang. And if there were any like rules and regulations being applied to Ethereum, they should be arrested. They are breaking certain laws about like holding people's money hostage, right? But people have kind of signed on to it because they believe or whatever. I don't believe the people that are at the top of the Ethereum pyramid believe in any of this. They're just making money. The difference with Bitcoin is that when a Bitcoiner puts their money into Bitcoin, and this is what I'm saying, like a Bitcoiner, it is a one-way street and it is painful to go the other direction. You know, on Twitter, you'll see a lot of people being like, oh, I bought too much. I got to sell some so I can pay some bills. And it's like a, 
woe is me moment. It's not like, oh, I'm cashing out because I made money. No one wants to sell their Bitcoin. Ethereans sell. Everyone in crypto sells at some point. They cash out and they talk about their gains in dollar terms. Bitcoiners don't do that. And that's the fundamental difference. All right, so I'm just closing out my first year in Bitcoin. You've been doing it for almost six years now. I still have to grapple with the reality of what happened this year, which is that Bitcoin was around 60,000 and mm-hmm. then it dropped and now it's around 16. So do I care that much if I want to sell a little at a time? Like right now, I don't think holding Bitcoin is as serious as you suggest it to be because it's always going up and down. I think if it had gone to 50 and stayed at 50, maybe that would be a little different. But to see how volatile it is in one year, I'm like, all right, well, like, is holding that serious? You can just wait for the next dip and just recoup whatever you sold last time at that dip. When you sell your Bitcoin, what are you going to sell it for? Let's say if it goes back up to 60. Not not a price point. Oh, What are you going to sell it for? It's an exchange, right? Yeah. So you're trading your Bitcoin for? I mean... Personally, right now, I don't need it for anything. Um, just let's do the thought experiment. You yeah. pose this. You pose this. Let's do the thought experiment. House renovations. I'm not asking for a thing. Oh, what, <laughs> you have. Let's just say I'm going to use round numbers here. You have a hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin. Okay, right. That's the current exchange rate. So you have your Bitcoin. You're going to exchange it for dollars, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if I have. $100,000 in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and in five months, that's all of a sudden worth $200,000. Mm-hmm. I would take half of it, and I would spend it on something that I wanted to immediately spend it on, because I had just made $100,000 in profits. Right. And this is the thought experiment that I'm trying to do. Yeah. So, you see that as profit. Yes. I see that as opportunity cost. The opportunity cost of what? Holding? You are assuming that it's going to come back down. Of course, I am assuming. But seeing how drastically it does come down, mm-hmm. it's going to do that again. Okay. Well, let's. We, we, we only have four cycles worth of mm-hmm. data points. But go find the worst crash of all of those. And the bottom is always higher. Yeah, right? that's fine. But... It doesn't matter what the price of Bitcoin is. If I put in, let's say, $10, mm-hmm. let's use small numbers. I put in $10 in Bitcoin, and then five months later, it's worth $50. Mm-hmm. I take 40 of those dollars out. I keep those $10 in, mm-hmm. um, and I spend that $40 on something that I need today. Because everything's getting more expensive, right? The dollar is getting less valuable. The dollar is getting less valuable. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to renovate this room, Mm -hmm. whatever. So I spend that $40 on that. And then the price of Bitcoin has gone up. It doesn't matter if it's gone up. Next time, I still just want to put $10 in it. Next time the price of Bitcoin goes up again, I take out 40 bucks. It doesn't matter. Each time I'm taking out my gains, it doesn't matter how many Bitcoin I have because mm-hmm. as the price of Bitcoin goes up, I just buy less. It's not like other stocks where like, oh, the 
price of the stock is this much, so you have to buy this much. You can buy as little Bitcoin as you want, the percentage of Bitcoin. That whole example, that is crypto. Yeah. What you're describing is why people are in crypto. Because put some money in, you made some gains, you take out your gains back into the old system. You take your gains out into the old system, right? When it's high. The dollar system. And then when it's low, Mm -hmm. I buy more because... I'm like, oh, I can get more at this price right now. I, look, I understand the thought process. This is this is how everyone... <laughs> does stocks. No, this is how everyone thinks. Yeah. This is the difference between a Bitcoiner and a non-Bitcoiner. Yeah. This thought process right here. And I'm not chastising you for it. I'm just pointing out the fundamental difference. Because what you're saying is that I put in $10 and I got a certain amount of Bitcoin. Let's just say... For, for simple math purposes, one Bitcoin. I, no, I'm going to say you ten Bitcoin, so we can keep the whole, every, oh. all the numbers round, right? Okay, I put in ten dollars, I got ten Bitcoin. Yeah. All right. Some amount of time passes, I still have ten Bitcoin. The number of Bitcoin that I have did not change, but now I can get fifty dollars for my Bitcoin, right? So you're saying that you would rather have something that lost 80% of its value. In that moment for me to spend it immediately. But the thing that you're... Because Bitcoin's going to go down again, right? Like, okay, maybe next year Bitcoin will go up to 100K. Mm -hmm. But then it'll drop to 25. And it'll go back up to 100K. And then it'll drop to 35. Like, it's just... We're still in that volatile stage. I understand what you're saying, sweetheart. But you're still talking about the dollar number. I am still talking about the dollar number because the things that we need in our life need dollars. No one's accepting Bitcoin from us when we need to renovate something in the house. So let's say like we make $100,000 in gains. Mm-hmm. We're going to add another level to the house. <laughs> but we're not. Why not? We don't need that. Okay. What if it's something we need? Well, this is fundamentally the point. The definition of need is very loose. But I'm coming in this knowing that my perspective is that it's going to keep dipping. It's going to be very volatile. There'll be highs and lows. Yes. And when is, it's... No one's arguing. Yeah. That. And so when it's high to sell and then when it's low to be able to buy more at that time, I don't understand why that's not a strategy that is accepted by Bitcoiners. No one is saying if you're on your last dollar and you need money to not sell Bitcoin. No one's saying don't sell against all odds. The fundamental point is whenever you sell, you're basically saying, I value dollars over Bitcoin. So whenever you go to make that exchange, really think about what you're actually exchanging. It's not that you're selling high. It's not what you're doing. You're exchanging your Bitcoin for something else. And is that something else actually worth it? Do you actually need it? Whatever you're going to spend those dollars on, do you actually need it? And as we talked about for like the Christmas episode, like if you're exchanging it to buy junk, I would argue don't make that exchange. If you're doing some work on your house or whatever, like sure, not all of our money is in Bitcoin. You obviously keep some cash in dollars, but everything else, everything else, why would I keep it in dollars when I'm willing to bet they're going to print trillions of dollars next year? Trillions. We're going to wake up one morning and they're going to say, 
There used to be $30 trillion, now there's $60 trillion. Everyone do the math and figure it out. Everything's going to get more expensive than it already has, right? And what you're saying is, well, I should trade my Bitcoin... When it's high. When it's high to get these dollars that are worth less. It's not that Bitcoin is high. It's that the dollar is less and less and less. I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying one year in, having experienced that big dip, this is where my mind is. My mind isn't in, oh, Bitcoin's a bad bad investment or Bitcoin's not going to work out or Bitcoin's just going to keep dropping. That's not my perspective. My perspective is, no, Bitcoin is going to go up. It's going to take a long time, maybe 5, 10, 20 years for Bitcoin to really become what it will be. And it's just going to be really volatile until then. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think selling sometimes when it's high would make sense. But you've been watching this longer. So it'll be interesting to see where my mind is, you know, a year or two from now, but still after a year of this podcast and learning about Bitcoin, I think that's the right thing to do. I think that's the smart thing to do. Right. But the year that you got into Bitcoin and started paying attention was a predicted down year. Like if you look at the Bitcoin charts, it has three years of up. That's my whole point. No, if no, it no. was predicted down, then when it was super high, everyone should have sold. To who? To whoever was buying, people were still buying Bitcoin then. When it was at 60, you could have sold most of your Bitcoin, maybe not all of it. And then when it dropped to 15, stack it back up. You said it was predicted. People knew it was going to drop. Okay, so let's try this a different angle. Do you trade stocks? No. Do you do anything that's financial with your money that you try to time something? No, I pay other people to do it. You do? Who do you pay? Um, you know, whoever handles my retirement. I'm not going to say who. No one handles your retirement. Yeah, I have, I have, you know, retirement funds through work. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. I'm you not going to give away too much information. You don't know who they are. I don't know them. No. How do you know they're making the right decision? I don't. Okay, but you trust them with your money. I, I what I'm saying. No, is... No, no. Let me finish this. Let's finish the thought experiment. You trust strangers with your money. Yes. Right. Who in this year are down more than Bitcoin? Yeah, sure. What does that have to do with what I'm saying? Because the point is, is that when you hold your Bitcoin, no one else is making decisions with what to do with your money. Even when you have, when you sell, as you're saying, when you sell at the top and then you put your money into a checking account, someone else is doing something with your money. Look, I agree with what you're saying. I'm not saying to sell and take that money and put it in a checking account. I'm saying to spend that money on things that I need then. Whatever that is. If you don't have the money for the thing that you need, sure. But what is it that you need that you don't have the money I for? I want to like pay off my parents' mortgage. I don't know. It's like if you make a ton of, you know you're going to make a ton of money off Bitcoin. You know if you sell it, you'll be able to buy it again and it'll go back up in a year or two. Like it just feels like a no-brainer. <laughs> the look he's giving me. <laughs> I'm not paying off anyone's mortgage before my own. Well, yo, if I say we pay off my mortgage, you'd be like, oh, the interest rate doesn't make sense. Yeah. I know. I don't understand this hypothetical situation where you just need money for something because it really depends on what you need money for. That's the point that I'm making. No, I I understand that and I agree with you. It's not just pulling out money and putting it in in a bank account in dollars. That doesn't make sense. I agree with you there. I still think if we know that there's going to be a drastic dip, 
that it's projected that we should sell. I'm not saying that's what we have to do. I'm just saying one year of learning about Bitcoin, that's where my head is. And I feel like you should just respect that. I I understand that you're not a Bitcoiner yet. Like you're not fully disgusted by the financial system. I can be disgusted by it, but still live in it. I have to still live in it. Without Bitcoin, what steps would you be taking to minimize your disgust? I'm using Bitcoin. Yeah, but without Bitcoin, right? Like without Bitcoin, you would just be like, meh, okay. Well, without Bitcoin, I wasn't engaging in the stock market. I thought that was a dirty game. I always did. Yeah, but you were giving your money to a retirement account and they're putting your money in the stock market. That's true. So you were hands off disgusted. I mean, I was just doing what my job offered. Right. But this is my point is that it's very easy to say I have to live in it and then take no steps to like remove yourself from it. And when you go deeper into Bitcoin, you see that, oh, there's a way for me to, if I'm disgusted, to completely remove myself and only choose to interact with it when I have to. That's the difference. That's the real innovation here, is that when you take your money, your dollars... So it's more about conviction and principles. It's not about, oh, the value of something I'm holding is about to maybe be cut in half, and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to keep buying at this price, even though I know it's likely going to drop drastically very soon. It's about when the banks blow up and no one can get into their bank account, only Bitcoiners and gold bugs will have money. And the thought is that we don't know when that'll happen. It could happen at any moment. It'll happen the day they decide to not print any more money. And that's not going to be anytime soon. It might. But you just said Ethereum is going to take a minute to to collapse. And you explained all the reasons why Ethereum is going to take time. Yeah, but Ethereum is on the same trajectory as the dollar. Right, like we do agree that the dollar is. I agree with all of those things. I just don't think it's happening today or next year or five years from now. It happened. It happened in two thousand and eight. Like it happened very recently. Yeah, but everything didn't close. (laughs) My bank account didn't close. (laughs) Why are you giving me that face? (laughs) My bank account didn't close. There is a decent amount of information that's available to find out exactly what happened in two thousand and eight. It is pretty well known what happened. And what happened was the United States government printed money and forced it into banks. Had they not done that, your bank would have closed. That's where we were in 08. So this whole like, it's not happening anytime soon. It literally just happened. Right. But the outcome that you're describing did not happen. Okay. Hear me out though. Hear me out. So from 2008 to today, what has the price of everything done? Donna. Everything. Yes. Because of all that money that was created. I agree with everything you're saying. I still don't think that it's going to happen overnight where we all lose access to our money. I do. I know you do. It's happened to other people around the world. This is not a crazy, this is not a hypothetical. This has happened to people. This happened to Greece in 2012. You wake up, you had 10,000, now you have 9,000. They just take your money. They can do that because it's not your money. That's, that is what is very close to happening in the next 12 months. Now, they might print a bunch of more money and push it into banks and tell everyone to shut up and like yep. deal with it. Yep. They might do that. And then 10 years from then. It'll be even worse. We didn't fix the problem. Yes, I agree with all of that. So why would I play this game of like buying and selling when I know the fundamental game is that 
that's the losing game. You misunderstood what I'm saying, though. I'm saying is that we would take it out and immediately spend it. (laughs) Because we're going to lose the money anyways. Not if it's in Bitcoin. Well, you could just buy more of it when the dip happens. Are you saying that the dip is never guaranteed? I'm saying that as a person who was a day trader for over a decade, I don't feel like time in anything. You think you're selling at the top. You don't know if that's the top. And this is the point that I was trying to make earlier is that Bitcoin ran up to $70,000 twice. And there's a decent amount of there's a decent amount of evidence that leads us to believe that someone manufactured cutting the top off of that. Could have ran to 200, but it didn't. Who manufactured it? that's like a whole other episode. Mm. The point is, is that I've been saying the term paper Bitcoin, right? You've heard me say that a couple of times. Yeah. So you go on Coinbase, you buy a Bitcoin. You don't have Bitcoin. You have the right to withdraw the Bitcoin. That's paper Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So when the price is running up and everyone's like, yeah, I'm gonna go get me some Bitcoin. And they all jump on Coinbase and they all buy Coinbase Bitcoin. They didn't actually buy a real Bitcoin. So if all of those people did what we do, Mm-hmm. buy and withdraw there's no way the price would have stayed at 70 it would have shot through it but something and we'll figure it out it will figure it out eventually we don't know yet but we'll figure it out something chopped the top off of bitcoin twice this year so you think you're at the top you're like oh we're at 70 let's sell but there's no guarantee that 70 is the top There's no guarantee that 16 is the bottom. (laughs) And I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I think regardless of whatever the top is, there will always be another bottom. Because you've never been a day trader, you say that very nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. And my point is, is that I don't want to play that game anymore. I did that with Tesla. I'm done. And literally, literally this year, I got out of Tesla about three weeks before it just freaking tanked. Or three weeks after, I should say. Like, Tesla is down this year. Yeah. But I got out of that game. (laughs) And everyone's trying to... And I'm going to pull you back in. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And so, like, if there's something that you need, sure, save up for it. Save up for it in dollars. But to exchange your Bitcoin because it's run up in a moment so that you can buy something or whatever you're doing, like, you didn't actually, like, plan for that. You're just trying to take it out and then make 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 a gain... In that moment, plan for it. Don't plan on selling the Bitcoin. Plan on saving up the money. But the Bitcoin that we already have, that's like savings savings. That's not that's not Tesla money. That's not like Elon tweeting something and it's going to jump 20% and then cash out on some options. It's not that. It's not a momentum play anymore. This is a don't trust the financial banks and I would rather hold my own money. And this is the only money that you can actually hold. Unless you want to start loading up the basement with gold bars. And I don't think we're doing that. Yet. Look, I understand your, your premise and there's a lot of people that do that. And there's a lot of tweets that you'll see on Twitter, which are bots that are telling you to do exactly this. It's like, oh, like buy low, sell high, yeah. follow this guy. He gives the signals. That's just anxiety inducing. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I wonder if... For the few couples that we've heard of, maybe the ones we haven't, who've gotten their partners onto Bitcoin are also having these similar conversations. Because like I said, I'm only one year in. And so this is where my mind keeps going. I turn to you to lead the way and steer this Bitcoin ship for us. But yeah, like I can't help but let my mind goes to those thoughts. They just do. It's expected. You're only one year in. Let's see if you think like that in four more years.
and you got so serious with me during that conversation. This is the part of Bitcoin that you have to take seriously. <laughs> can we go back to flirting? We can, but this is... <laughs> He's still so serious. It, it, it is the fundamental point. Like, if you don't internalize that one specific part of it, then there's no reason to have a podcast and like joke about it. If you're not actually going to learn what Bitcoin is. <laughs> I learned. I swear. I understand. <laughs> no, but like, that's why I'm so serious. Like when I, I know, when I I'm know. serious very, on certain points, like there's, strict. it's not that I'm strict. It's that we can laugh and we can joke, but there are certain parts that it's like, this is oxygen. You can't like take the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> like you need oxygen to like live, right? <laughs> yes. But then at a certain point, I feel like I'm just fucking with you. And I'm not. I really do feel this way, but um, you're very passionate about this stuff. I don't want to be a hard ass. It would be a lot easier if you just kind of saw it the same way. I do. I do want to say like 90% of it I see, but I'm still new. You're still new. I'm still new, but I'm on Bitcoin Twitter now, so... Give me a few months. I might be teaching you a few things. I would love it if you taught me something new about Bitcoin. Uh, that would, you know, like that would be great. It's not enough. Is this not enough? I would love it if you if you taught me something about Bitcoin that I did not know. I would feel like, great, I've done my job. And then the, the podcast ends. I don't know. It doesn't end. but like, It never ends. That means that I got you to the point where you were able to take in some information process it bring it to me and say how come you didn't tell me about this and i'd be like oh i didn't know and it was correct it's like your wet dream i don't know about that but <laughs> that would be great that would be great well it's been quite a year baby we've gone through a lot in and out of the podcast and i will say that this was our best year yet and i hope our relationship survives 2023 and that a year from now we're doing our second year in review episode of the flirting with bitcoin podcast do you think we'll make it absolutely Aww. look at that conviction yeah i'm not concerned i'm just hoping that we don't have this conversation at the end of next year <laughs> time will tell because you got in on the down year what comes after the down year the having you know leading up to the having you have a down year yeah then you have three years of up up, up, up years? Uh, whatever you want to call them. That's what, I don't know what the terminology is. But no, you're, you got in You got in at a very painful time. But if you can steal yourself and really just be like, oh, this this sucks, right? The next having... And you're then I'll be just si- like, sin real pretty, telling everyone I told you so's. Yeah, we're going to pull up the old episodes too. Yeah. Like, Remember when she wanted to sell? No, no, Remember when no, she no, wanted no. to sell? No, put me out. Uh, the, no, no, no. The, the podcast is going to change. I'm going I'm to mess with you and be like, is this the top? No. Is this the top? No. Is this the top? Partner. Is this the top? Don't troll me. Is this the top? Troll the trolls. We're on the same side here. You haven't experienced a having, but remember, I started before having. So I started. We're just one cycle behind, babe. We were chopping sideways at 3,000. That was where I started. You're starting at chopping sideways at 16. That's a 5x. (laughs) Between last having, chopping sideways, and this one, that's 5x. (sighs) We'll see, babe. I hear you, but to see it for myself i know i know and it's not guaranteed but there is some math involved that says probably be higher than 16 all right guys thanks so much for listening this year we've had a blast 
I wish you all a very happy new year. I hope you are safe and sound with your families celebrating together and we will catch you all in 2023.